and welcome to episode 34 of the Bounce Museums podcast. I'm Michael, the digital curator, and we've given this one the title Pigeons, Ping Pong and People's Possessions, as we look at just a few of the objects added to Experience Barnsley in the last couple of years. This podcast actually started off live as a video from about a year ago, when our community heritage creator Stephen did a Facebook live event with BeFriend, an amazing charity who aims to reduce social isolation for older neighbours in the community. So instead of getting Stephen to repeat himself, it made much more sense to edit down the video and give BeFriend a plug, a group that Bowser Museums works with quite closely. So sit back, have a cuppa, and let Stephen share some of the weird and wonderful stories of just a few of the items on display at Experience Barnsley. The first collection I'm going to talk about has been recently collected and it's called the Chapman Parker Collection and it relates to an unassuming miner called Ernest Chapman from Little Oulton in Barnsley. He kind of kept himself to himself. Ernest kind of went into, he's a bit of a living legend, he, he went into kind of uh, the, the armed forces in 1933 after telling his father he wanted a new suit, to re- which is the reply was to get a khaki one. When war came in 1939, Trooper Chapman was deployed as part of the 3rd Royal Tank Regiment. He survived Dunkirk. His own captain said to him, you should be dead. You should really should be dead because most of, of the rest of them, unfortunately, didn't come back. He was then sent out to the east, got malaria, almost died in the east and was, was, was shipped back kind of on his last legs. And then he rejoined the regiment in Greece after that, but unfortunately was captured by the Germans uh, out, outside Athens. And in fact, he became a prisoner of war in Greece, and was was uh, he, but he did escape four times. He was shot at, he was incarcerated, he was starved, but he, he got back out every time. He kept escaping. Quite lucky that he, he wasn't killed. On the fourth escape attempt, he actually jumped out of a moving locomotive through the Greek mountains, rolling uh, kind of about 100 feet down a slope uh, and then managed to run off uh, from the moving train. He was injured, but he, he kind of survived. He met up with um, some Greek partisans. So they're kind of uh, what, you, what you would know as a... Uh, the resistance in, in, in Greece fighting against the Nazis, which, which the, uh, the the British government supported. And uh, they, they were basically trying to stop the occupation from, from the inside. So he joined with the Greek partisans, the guerrilla fighters in the mountain. And people uh, in England thought, you know, thought he was was a, a lost soldier, thought he was a forgotten forgotten soldier because no one knew whether he was alive or dead. And in fact, he was fighting with, with, with them for a few years and uh, uh, on the island of Crete, that is. And gave him a nickname called Kyriakos uh, of the mountains. So it just shows how, what esteem, the esteem he was held in. He was, he was a legend. And, and if you go to Crete to this day, they gave him, the locals gave him a house to thank him for everything he did. The local hotel has a museum display based on his life. So he really, it was a, a local folk hero in Greece. And there's also a pewter cup, and that pewter cup was was uh, when 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 the story came out of what he did, that pewter cup was given to him by the mayor of Barnsley to thank him for his his amazing efforts in protecting Crete and Greece, and uh, that was given to him in the 1980s, and um, his daughter's given it back to the museum after his death, so it's come back to the town hall, and we put it on display to remember Ernest and and his brave kind of sort of story and everything he did. He actually kind of came home and his wife 
that he married after that didn't actually know any of his story. In fact, none of the miners he worked with did. His daughter didn't. And the only only time that this story started to kind of be uncovered was when someone from the Daily Express came knocking speak to uh, his wife uh, Denise Denise is the daughter who remembers him knocking on the door to ask you know kind of about this amazing story of this guerrilla fighter famed in Greece and and beyond uh, so so that's just one little capsule collection that, that Denise Denise uh, Parker Ernest Chapman's daughters donated to us recently so they're not great value value objects in terms of their monetary worth but the actual story of this 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 guy and what he actually did it's incredible so, so please do this. They're all in a little case together, that story. So moving on to the uh, next kind of uh, story. I was put in touch with a guy called Alan Hydes, who, who was a uh, table tennis player in, uh, in Barnsley and then, then became quite famous playing table tennis. And uh, I actually went to London to meet him and do an oral history. So that, that was absolutely fascinating to do. And he was, he's an amazing guy. And he donated his Engl 1970s England table tennis uh, uh, tracksuit to the museum, his ping pong balls from the 70s, his, uh, that he and something that he designed himself, and loads of photos of him meeting the great and the good in, in the 1970s. Uh, so, so we've got a capsule collection in the museum based on the life of Alan Hydes. Now, uh, just to tell you a little bit more about the remarkable story and how remarkable Alan is. He, he was born in 1949 and grew up in a typically, typically working class mining household in New Lodge, Barnsley. And he first played table tennis at Barnsley Boys, Boys Club, which is now the Lamp Room Theatre in Barnsley, uh, for four peer week subs. He actually wanted to play cricket to start with and he got on the bus to play cricket everyone turned around to him and said, where are your cricket whites? And Alan pulled out some old uh, kind of uh, footy shorts because that's that's all they could afford. Uh, and he was laughed off the bus. So that was the end of his cricketing career. But he was allowed to pay, play table tennis. And uh, he was extremely talented. And he said it might be to do with throwing a ball against the coal shed at the back of his house for hours on end in his childhood. But in 1963, Alan's granddad gave him the money to compete in the South Yorkshire Open when he was 13. Uh, Alan remembers having to put snow in his mouth to quench his thirst as all the water pipes froze in Sheffield and he couldn't afford to buy, buy a drink at the, the tournament. So, so that, that's, that's the idea of the resources he had. But in his first match, he won the England number six ranked player. Uh, which was amazing. Uh, applause was infectious and and it went from there. In 1968, Alan was selected to play at the European Championships in Lyon. And in 1969, he beat the Russian number one in Munich. And then he beat the world champion, Joyner, in Hungary. And soon he was ranked sixth player in the world. Now, for a sport that we, the people in England or Britain have never been number one, it's, it's usually the Russians and the Chinese that are the top at it. To be ranked sixth in the world is from 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 New Lodge throwing coal and balls up against the the coal shed. That's 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 a pretty good achievement. Uh, one amazing story that that is attached to Alan is is he unlikely became one of the world's top diplomats because in the height of the Cold War, when the Vietnam War was going off, China was totally closed off to the West. You know, there was no there was no diplomacy going on when you went past Hong Kong there was a no man's land on a bridge and then under Maoist China uh, with Chow and Lai as the premier you know there was there was no dip diplomacy but uh, kind of Mao uh, invited Alan and some US table tennis or ping pong as they would call it players from Japan uh, to go across that no man's land into China to play at the great hall of the people which is unheard of and certainly the American president Nixon at the time and and the British Prime Minister were, were very keen 
on this. They were followed around by journalists everywhere they went. Uh, so we ended up playing uh, in Beijing, Shanghai and Tianjin, crowds of tens of thousands of people. He said he was terrified because he felt a long way from home. And he remembers flying over Vietnam and seeing flashes of light during the conflict there. And also the pilot announcing, hang on to your seats. And Alan said to me, he thought at that point, I want to be back in Barnsley by my coal fire. <laughs> that, that, that was the thought in his head. I'm a long way from home. And in fact, when, when he kind of was picked up by the taxi driver from the airport after coming back over Siberia and Russia, and he arrived in Doncaster train station, uh, and the, the taxi driver said, where's the bin lad? And Alan replied, China. Uh, and the taxi driver said, that's been drinking lad. <laughs> because that's, that's basically no one believed him. But that night he was on Panorama, the news, um, and it was a national story that uh, kind of started to fall relations with China. So, so that's just a story of how a lad in New Lodge has an impact on a world stage. Um, it shows some of these interesting stories that we've, we've got in the museum, looking at them from, from the lens of, of, of worldwide diplomacy. And so Alan visits Barnsley regularly. He loves Barnsley still. And he's, he's recently visited uh, the museum with his, his brothers, Glyn, um, and he's absolutely chuffed to bits that his collection's on display here. So going a bit more close to home now, we're going to talk about the Alan Bunting collection. Now, Alan Bunting's from Montbreton, and um, in, in the 1930s and 40s, uh, Montbreton for him was a bit more rural. And it shows the different pace of life in, in Barnsley, semi-rural, semi-industrial, uh, that he, he grew up in a, a kind of a, a world, a Barnsley that was, was, was um, very different from today. Although some things don't change much. Uh, he worked on a farm and then he became a miner, working at various collieries, including Carlton, Gorber and Woolley. And he supported his five kids in Aversley, uh, where he got his first uh, kind of council house, which he later bought. Uh, he worked up to 12 hours a day on the pit face, uh, mining coal uh, year in, year out. So I, I put his story in because we, we, we talk about these these national heroes, uh, but but there are there are there are local heroes too, and 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 you know what what they do, uh, you know, and they kind of help to fuel a nation. Um, one thing that Alan was really uh, amazing at, he, he was amazing at gardening, and he, and he won the Staincross Hotel Red Cabbage Championship, um, which year in year out, uh, and uh, in amongst other objects, uh, there are there are some of um, Alan's objects. So we've got this is uh, Staincross Champion 1979, the best red cabbage in Barnsley, and that's on the kind of wooden plinth there next to his ferret locator. So he, he was forever losing his ferrets. We've also got some pigeon trophies and his pigeon clock is, is hidden in the background. And, and that pigeon clock's from the is a Swiss made from the 1980s. So uh, he was a he was a keen pigeon, pigeon racer too. And as those pigeons flew back, I always thought poetically that that's a person who spent a lifetime underground grafting. And then in retirement, he's he spent his time looking up at the skies, waiting for his birds to come back. From the Outer Hebrides, uh, sometimes from Poitiers in France, they'd fly back. And, and those birds were amazing. You, they, they were champions. They flew at over 80 miles per hour over the English Channel in all weathers, being blown about uh, and would find their way back to Aversley in, in, in Barnsley uh, to roost as, as Alan was waiting for them with, with, with some corn. Uh, and over the years, he won all sorts like microwaves and money and supplemented his, his, his pit pension uh, for him and his, his family. So I just think it's a lovely little story there that uh, pigeon racing quite a, a popular thing in Barnsley and, and still is. Um, so so that, that's a nice little capsule collection. 
what we've done is in the museum we've we've kind of tried to include kind of world famous kind of uh, stories but mix them in with kind of uh, grassroots sport or, or people who've achieved things in their own life that's that's to their own level is amazing so so uh, that's telling stories about disability about uh, women punching against the glass ceiling things things like that working class people doing really well for themselves or, or just getting by uh, so so our objects in our museum uh, include the posh and they're not very posh but they're all amazing because they're, they're all from local people so moving on from alan uh we've actually got um a, a new case in the museums and we decided to call this the lost and found case because we didn't want people to think that archaeology was just really old stuff that kind of academics and uh, kind of um, metal detectors found in the ground um you know it's something accessible for, for everyone and you know everyone finds stuff uh, whether that be walking across a field and you find an old bit of Georgian pottery or Victorian pottery in your garden uh, so so we've got objects in there so at the back of the case you can see a tankard uh, which is absolutely fabulous I really wanted to pinch it to drink my beer in but obviously because it's in the collection I wasn't allowed <laughs> but um but that tankard it's a big beautiful pewter tankard uh, and that was actually found thrown in the Barnsley Canal it was found when the water level was really low um, and it's actually a kind of early Georgian tankard so it's a few hundred years old uh, just imagine who was a bit tipsy on the canal and threw it in the water at the time we don't know but that's that's the the romance and the the mystery of these objects at the back we've got these tall spindly things and looks like shiny discs on the photo and they're they're roman coins and buckles we've we've employed the country's best mount makers to help us make bespoke mounts to make these objects really stand out those coins each have their individual clasps to keep them safe uh, so they're beautifully mounted they, they, those roman coins were found in places like Wasbridale, darfield uh, and, and around the borough in the middle there's a token uh, that we, we kind of collected which we found on ebay so lost and found archaeology i suppose <laughs> uh, we're taking it in its widest sense that that was that was something that i came across and on on it you can't see from there and i do apologize i've not got a better photo but uh, it's just a little disc and on it it says m stocks s-t-o-c-k m stocks and then it had a number on and then really beautifully engraved it said the red lion hotel now, I know the Red Lion Hotel in Barnsley, and it said Woodsboro, sorry, Woodsboro. Um, we know the Red Lion Hotel is opposite Woodsboro Mill. It's, it's a Georgian building, um, uh, and it was a coaching inn. Um, and we didn't know the date of it. Um, and it, and, and you know, I contacted lots of curators to try and find out, you know, what it was. Uh, and it was actually Jill in archives said, do you know what? I think that's the person's name. And she ran m stocks through the database and the number and she worked out that it was a, a person called mini stocks mini uh, as, a, as a as a lady's name and the number was her service number so we're, we're able to peel back history and find things out with the, this archaeology you can ask why she got a tag with her service time service number from world war ii um and tags were used in identification often if someone was injured or you found their body unfortunately kind of it was tags were often used to to, to identify bodies if if they you know they, we were bombed or something so mini must have been doing something in the war which we don't know yet we've not found out we, we'll try and find out she must have been doing something a little bit dangerous whether she was a secret radio operative whether she was watching for planes going over to sheffield because it's heading out that way to, to be bombed we, we don't know but it just shows you the sorts of things that turn up 
Next to that, we've got a, a, a cannonball, a musket ball, sorry, not cannonball, a musket ball that was found in Scout Dyke. That's from the Civil War in, uh, you know, in Barnsley. Um, and then I found at the bottom of the drawer in my nan's house, I found Walter Chitarisky's, um Working Man's Club uh, membership from Mont Breton in the 1960s. And it had loads of really cool cards of his, his membership over the years. So I've, I've, we've, I've purposely put in that case some some things like 1930s cigarette packets found under floorboards, the, the Working Man's Club membership found in, in the drawer, along with these Roman Anglo-Saxon uh, sort of objects and Civil War objects uh, to show you that archaeology is a living and, and moving thing and, and everyone can find archaeology. Uh, just just remember to say if you find treasure where, where you found it. So so that's just some of the new objects in the museum. I hope you enjoyed that and just just to give you just give you a little tidbit and insight into to what's there. And really when you see those, there's you know the, the, the kind of labels don't don't tell you quite as much. So we're hoping to do some more audio guides, um, especially for visually impaired people and uh, kind of basically people who can't make it to the museum. Uh, we're going to be, do, be doing some more digital work to kind of pull out those stories as well. Okay, so I've got I've got one last object. I do apologise. Apologise to my colleague Michael because I, I wanted to get his favourite object in. Now, if anyone follows Barnsley Museums on uh, Facebook or, or or Twitter, you'll know that uh, we're obsessed with uh, dolls at the moment. Uh, and my colleague Michael, the digital curator, has one of his favourite dolls. It's called Giggles. And it follows him everywhere he goes. So he's asked me to put it on display in the museum. So so we've got it out from underneath the town hall. And it's gone on display next to some My Little Ponies, a Teenage Ninja Turtle, some, some Victorian clogs, uh, and a very dark red riding hood, uh, kind of hot water bottle and some some plastic wind up pigeons so to give you an idea these are these are toys from from different um, and things belonging to children from different ages uh in barnsley uh, giggles is sat there michael's really happy that giggles is on display we think that she gets out of the case though at night and starts moving ahead uh, uh giggles was made in 1967 and it, it was made by an american company called the ideal toy corporation it's quite an expensive doll at the time not everyone would have had a doll of giggles's caliber and when you press her arms together, her head kind of turns in a very cranking motion. So I think it's a bit creepy and she's possessed, um, but I, I actually quite like her for that. So, so there you go. That's Michael's, Michael's favourite possessed doll in, in the museum collection. So go, go and see that when you can. Thanks for the name check, Stephen, and for adding Jackie, the, the Giggles doll, to the case in the museum. As Stephen also mentioned, we're still continuing our digital work following the reopening of the museums. You'll see that we create new content all the time, such as blogs, audio descriptions and virtual tours of the exhibitions. Just go to our website or Google Barnsley Museums to find them. I'm really excited about the next episode of the podcast, which we'll share at the end of August. It's an in-conversation with Dorothy Hyman, the Olympic champion from Cuddiff. But right now we need to go back into the museum and make sure that Giggles isn't getting up to more mischief.